And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. It feels like we kind of just did one of these podcasts, right, guys? I feel like we just stopped recording the Tuesday post-Raiders episode. And also, and this is something that, uh, Nate, you'll be able to speak to, press conferences were just so much today. As Mm -hmm. uh, our friend Matt Derrick pointed out, it was absolutely drinking from a fire hose, which is a phrase that I really like because it's such a visceral mental image no matter what. And uh, I feel like we just did this. What are you? What are you saying? Like, just less than seventy-two hours ago, we were discussing <laughs> the team that people uh, beloved in Kansas City and elsewhere. Are you saying that that's like a bad thing? Um, no, I just. No, no. I, I was of just thinking that, that. I would just, never say that. No, no. I, it just. It just feels like I just got done drawing off from the fire hose that I was drinking out of for the Raiders game, and I was like, "All right, whew, just just finally got rid of that." And then someone was like, "Cowboys fire hose, here we go, NFL season, baby, <laughs> week ten and eleven, here we go. Wait till Thursday. Thursday's coming in a couple of weeks." Look, I, I had just enough time to look up some stats and be like, "Oh, they're really good." Like, I don't need to. <laughs> I don't need All to watch the Cowboys. I don't need to watch necessarily the film, although I have. And they're really good. Like, they're just (laughs) really good. Uh, I'm going to make a point later in the show um, about this upcoming game. But, whew, I mean, we we talked to Clark Hunt today. We talked to Travis Kelsey today. Uh, We got a little Joe Blameyer. Yeah, we did. A little Brendan Daly. I mean, we were all over the organizational chart. In terms of who was uh, made available for a public comment from the Chiefs today. Um, but as much as there was an anticipation about the Raiders game, um, it's sort of simmering for me right now. But I think when Sunday rolls around, um, this is like the only good game Yeah, on Sunday. Like, weirdly. And I know it's not Thanksgiving yet, which is when like... The real season begins, if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. this is fascinating to know that, like, um, for back-to-back weeks, the Chiefs are in kind of the most consequential game of the of the weekend. That's Nate Taylor, by the way. I'm Josh Abrisco. This next voice you're going to hear is going to be Seth Kaiser. Hey, Seth, are you tired also? I am not feeling like I just drank from a fire hose. Oh, okay. But <laughs> that's a very specific kind of tired that sounds awful um but yeah it does feel like we just got done recording i suppose when we do a a day late um you know hopefully not a dollar short man i would i think this show we just hang on and talk about the fact that i'm turning into my dad like (laughs) i just like i uh, so i'll tell these jokes and i hear them coming out and i groan yep but i can't stop it and I don't know what to do about it, guys. 
So why don't you guys say things while I have an existential crisis? For <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive. They can't keep you from turning into your parents. That's not. It's not brought to you by them, but it would be funny if it was. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry that you're going through that that crisis, Seth. Yeah, what are you going to do? Life is good, though, and I'm excited. There's a lot to talk about. I'm still, because, you know, I'm usually, you know, digging into the film, I'm still looking at stuff from the Raiders game, and I'm going to be all week, but kind of trying to figure out, you know, what it leads to moving forward. And so I'm, I'm excited about that stuff. This is a big game. Big, yeah, big game. But for a more optimistic reason than the Raiders game, because the Raiders sure. game was like, if they lose, guys, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Whereas now they've set themselves in a position and also thanks to the rest of the division where like if they lose, that'll be a bummer because they could really set themselves up nicely this weekend. Mm -hmm. But it's no longer the end of the world. It's like, oh, bummer. You lost to a really, really, really good team. Eh. I think those are the two things right now that have me sort of just feeling like I am in the 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 gray area between these games because we're, there's still stuff that I think we could be taking away from the Raiders game, and, and mm -hmm. we could spend another entire podcast doing that on a on a closer look. But also, it's the last yesterday and today have been like all about the Cowboys, and that's going to be the next few days as well. And and like you said, they're also Seth. It, the Raiders game was going to to really set the tone for where the Chiefs belong in the second half of the season. Like that was going to be determining of a ton of things. Nate, if they beat the Cowboys, we go away from the Chiefs are like back with a dominant victory over the Raiders to, oh, the, the Chiefs are back in the conversation for like the best team in football. And if they lose to the Cowboys, it's not nearly as dire as it would have been if they lost to the Raiders, like Seth just said. Yes. And there's a legitimate chance for this team to win on Sunday um, because, look, I mean, the, the Cowboys have played a schedule that's just as perplexing as like a lot of the teams uh, win loss record in the NFL. Um, but I expect this to be a really fun competitive game. Um, the Cowboys uh, want to continue to add legitimacy to their Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, the chiefs, like you mentioned, Josh, are are a team that appears to be a healthy and two in rhythm and three, like, you know, made a statement can we make an even bigger one it's a it's a really fun matchup just because um i expect both defenses to try to be opportunistic but i i think both offenses will have quite the advantage for the majority of the game mm -hmm. um and so this could come down to coaching um more than anything else and you know, uh, one team has Mike McCarthy and one team has Andy Reid. And that may that may be a difference, um, you know, when you get to the final score. But I, I like the idea of the Chiefs not having turnovers on offense for two straight weeks mm -hmm. and them being relatively healthy. Um, it appears that Andrew Wiley will probably start yet again at right tackle. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is at least back into the fold. He's going to be given some opportunities if he if his body trends well uh, throughout this week in practice. Because Eric Bieniemy said he looked great, uh, which I found to be interesting of note. Uh, you know, no one said he had to say that. Just <laughs> Eric Bieniemy said it on his own volition. So <laughs> there's a chance that Clyde comes back. Um, and so you're starting to get the full aspect of what the Chiefs' offense could be. 
And then on the defensive side of the ball, they're also healthy and uh, they have a really nice test in front of them that might be the big, might be the best thing to simulate the playoffs if this team, as we all believe, will get there in January. Seth, I, I know you're not deep in the scouting on the Cowboys, but this is sort of another big picture thing that I've just kind of been wondering aloud the last few days. So the, the Cowboys lost week one to the Buccaneers. Obviously, I don't know if you guys remember that the Bucs won the Super Bowl last year, actually. It, mm-hmm. it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I and didn't then know there was a Super Bowl last year. <laughs> I thought it was weird that they ended the season with yeah. two champions yeah. after so the conference championships. After that, they ended up, this didn't get much, much coverage. They did like a BCS style like voting thing. And so they said like <laughs> the Buccaneers are the winner of like the quote unquote Super Bowl. But we all know that it, there wasn't actually a game played there. Sure. Um, and, and then they lost to the Broncos. Uh, not not last week, but the week prior, and that's very strange. But it's really the only blemish on their on their resume, and and they haven't beaten a ton of great teams, but they've beaten the Chargers, Eagles, Panthers, Giants, Patriots, Vikings, and Falcons. And there's above average to below average in that realm. But I have found most people, at least around here, being very willing, and I, myself included, on this, and be very willing to go. Yeah, I got I got basically one full game and then the last play of, of offensive football of seeing the Chiefs look like their old selves. And I think that now I would pick them against basically anybody because the Cowboys <laughs> are basically anybody like that. Th- this is one of the biggest challenges that they're going to face all season. And they played some really good teams earlier in the years. Like, are do you have any hesitation in there or are you are you all aboard the hype train? The The most impressive win the Cowboys have to date. Because pummeling the Falcon, Falcons is great, but the Falcons are terrible. I mean, yeah. even <clears throat> even in a year when the NFL is just hey hey hey, those, the, the Falcons will forever be in the playoff picture graphic for the remainder of the year. You 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 give the Falcons some slight respect. <laughs> I just wish that the uh, I, I just wish the Falcons hadn't been so selfish and let <laughs> Kyle Pitts go to a great team because I. Man, I think he's I think he's awesome, but th- that's besides the point. Um, the, They're the four and five, man. They're four and five because they beat some bad teams. They are going to be in that graphic forever. Sorry, go ahead, Seth. Yep. Right, I suppose the Chiefs have only won two more games than them, so maybe I should <laughs> yeah. be like, yeah, talking too much smack. Um, so the the Cowboys are an interesting team because they've missed Dak at certain points, but they they're not. I don't know. Their wins are impressive. I mean, the the they lost the box, which you know that's going to happen. The beating the Patriots right now would be like their signature win, right? And that was when Mac Jones was not maybe getting the um, holy crap hype that he's getting now, mm-hmm. and maybe not playing quite as well. Tyron Matthew and, will fight you too, man. You don't want that smoke. Mac Jones is better than Tom Brady. Just say it. I think well, I think Mac Jones. It's kind of been funny. Um, there's a, there's a lot to talk about with Mac Jones in terms of how we approach the draft. Because You're so right, and also I don't. I I had the thought of like, great. Now Seth's going to talk about Mac Jones for two minutes, and then I realized, no, I made that. This one's my fault, and yeah, I that don't. One's your I, fault. You don't have to it, talk it, about Mac Jones. It's yeah, fine. I, that one's on me. That no, we won't talk <laughs> about Mac Jones. We one thing I will say is that just because you like one player doesn't mean you need to denigrate and downplay and act like another player's trash. Yes. And that happens way too often in the draft process. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like, well, but Trey Lance, so Mac Jones must suck. It's like, well, 
maybe not, and maybe things like anticipation and accuracy matter. I don't know. Yes. Maybe, maybe situations even matter. Maybe the, yes. yeah, maybe that even matters. I don't know. I don't want to get crazy. Yes. Maybe, maybe, maybe it matters just a little bit. And mm-hmm. those things are important. But it, it is interesting how pre-draft stuff works. But anyway, with the Cowboys, they're, they're a really good offense. They're a pretty good defense. One thing that's interesting to me is because Lawrence is still out. And... Now Gregory's out too. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very, it's still a good defense, but it's very different than it might have been otherwise. Um, although, I mean, the Chiefs just handled a pair of really productive edge rushers pretty well. Um, so I, it's, it's, it's their biggest test, I think, for the rest of the year on paper, right? For the Chiefs, you mean? Yeah, for the Chiefs. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, I, unless the Bengals get right again, but like that's the that's the the next best. I guess the Chargers maybe, but yeah, mm-hmm. I would yeah, say. Yeah, so. I was I was leaning more towards whether you know I don't think the Chargers will go into a complete slide. So I think the December sixteenth game on Thursday night, coming off a short week, going to L A. That it's it, it's either this game or it's that yeah, game. In my that's opinion. true. That is being Thursday, and yeah. and in the assumption is uh, the Chiefs will likely have to win that game to at least have um, more of an inside track to win the division and, and at least host one home playoff game. Mm. Well, and the, the great thing about where the Chiefs are at right now is the control they have over their destiny, which they'll still have if they lose to the Cowboys. But they'll have even more if they beat the Cowboys, right? Because um, really, they could if they take care of business against the Cowboys, they, get to, they face the Bron- a Broncos team, division games are always tough, a Raiders team that they just thrashed, Keep in mind, one result does not necessarily mean another. Every game mm-hmm. is different. But they could, if they beat the Cowboys, they've got a chance of going into that Chargers game with all the pressure on the Chargers mm. and a lot less on them. And, I mean, they, they, if they beat the Cowboys, they've got at least, man, this is, I hesitate to say this because of the way they played in a few games, they've got a chance to run the table the rest of the season if they beat the Cowboys. And that's something that's going to be at least worth talking about if they beat the Cowboys. Because now they'll have won four in a row with two impressive back-to-back wins. I'm just saying that there's, on a season where everything started off horribly, the Chiefs could be in a lot worse position than they are right now. Mm-hmm. And they just got a chance. And it's kind of like a, you know, best case scenario type thing for the Chiefs on a Sunday where like, yeah, losing would be a bummer, but now it's not the end of the world. But winning would be a really big deal. Yeah. That's kind of nice to see. Yeah. Nate, where are you at on that in terms of the the amount of confidence that, that we should all have in the Chiefs being able to win this game or, or where they stand right now after one really excellent effort? Yeah, I want to see it again. Um, I think that's a fair um, sort of aspect to have from an analysis standpoint. Um, I think, you know, this team, if it wants to sort of push away – um, the bad month they had in October, then a win against the Cowboys, uh, you know, would be would be really impressive. Um, it's weird to say this, but as I wrote in the Athletic on Wednesday, think less about this game in terms of Patrick Mahomes, which is really hard to do. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like it's it's very difficult. I think Sunday's game was about. Okay, how much of, and I'm talking about the Raiders, uh, Sunday night's game against the Raiders was about how much of that last throw against the Packers will translate over 
to a divisional opponent that you know very well on the road in a game you really need to have. And the quarterback um, played like a superstar, played like the best quarterback in the world. Um, I actually think this week is kind of the reverse where um, they've been slowly building towards this moment. And now here's like the most legitimate assessment you could have of the Chiefs defense because A, they're healthy. Um, they've passed the test so far. Uh, a Giants team that should not have scored 20. Guess what? They mm-hmm. didn't score 20. A Green Bay Packers team that they needed to um, be mindful of in terms of skill position players and never let the quarterback in his first true start get comfortable. They passed that test. Um, last week was, it really came down to one question for me and everybody knows if they listened last week, that one question is, can y'all cover Darren Waller? Cause if you can cover Darren Waller, I think y'all have a chance to have success. And guess what? Um, they did that exceptionally well. And Tyron Matthew probably played quietly his best game of the season. Um, because of that. So they've cleared all these tests. They've gotten from the preliminary round to now, okay, how far can this team on defense come in a month? And this is the big test. Unlike the defensive side of the ball, the the Cowboys are relatively healthy on offense. Um, They are leading the league in points per game. So if you hold them under 31, well, that's obviously below their average coming in. And if you hold them in the mid-20s, well, then you have a really good chance of playing complimentary football for your offense to go win it. Um, I think this game will say a lot about the Chiefs defense and whether or not that's a trend that's going to continue or if they just found themselves uh, being able to execute to a certain level, but maybe not against one of the better, if not the best offense statistically right now. I know, I know, ma'am, I know you want to say that the Chiefs offense, you know, for numerous years has had the, the, the best offense in the league. But, but right now, right now, because they played the Atlanta Falcons, that statistic says it's the Dallas Cowboys, okay? So if the Chiefs defense does anything positive against the Cowboys, that would be that would be really um that would be really impressive for me given just how bad this defense was in September. Now, Nate, I have a hunch about this based off of uh, some of your line of questioning during the press conferences today. I think you're going to have some things to say about the blitzing the Chiefs have done. Mm-hmm. I just hazarding a guess. Nate was on Nate was on fire with the blitz questions today. Thank you. Uh, but I do wonder if you think that they're going to be able to blitz that much against the Cowboys because Dak Prescott isn't, you know, Jordan Love, but also neither was Derek Carr. Yeah. And I also am very, very curious to see if they're going to be able to get pressure with four or maybe even five, but typically with four very consistently. Seth, do you know anybody who is, I don't know perhaps a little over halfway through a story that could be going up on the Chief of the North newsletter about mm. the Chiefs' pass rush against the Raiders? Because I would love to hear kind of some thoughts on that because then Nate could talk about some of the blitz stuff that he was looking into. That'd be great. I don't Can you hold up your end of the bargain on that one, Seth? I'm just, I'm just, uh, just a shot in the dark. I'm just hoping. No. Okay, that's fine. Well, we'll go back to Nate then. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yes. So I'm currently uh, researching right now. Writing uh, for the the Chief of the North newsletter. Um, What's the URL for that again? I can't. My memory has been so bad today, man. I'm so sorry. You know, is, yeah, it, you, is it Seth loves money? Is that what? Yeah, it is? Seth yeah, loves yeah, money. Big dot ly slash Seth will rob you at gunpoint. Dot. <laughs> 
Now click. If, that if people want to subscribe to it's mncheesefan.substack.com or bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. I made subscribe. the URL, by the way. So that's, am, that's me making fun of <laughs> Seth, not him being uh, – not, not Seth, uh, you know, proclaiming that he is the most altruistic man in the world. I'm pissed at him for not charging more, but that's, not, that's between him and me. If uh, if you go there right now, you'll see a piece up charting every snap by Orlando Brown against the Raiders, which we talked about earlier this week. Um, he did really well. I was I was really happy with how his charting went out. Basically dominated his matchup. Had a couple rough snaps early. I had a bunch of people respond to me like, oh, he got better as the game went along. He was really bad early. I was like, no, he had two bad snaps early. And that's why it's so important to chart every snap with offensive linemen, right? Because people will see one bad snap like, oh, he struggled that quarter. It's like, you know, there were like... 20 other snaps that quarter, right? <laughs> like, and that's that's the problem for cornerbacks, right? And for offensive linemen. That's just how it goes. It's kind of like how the week before, you know, Mahomes, you know, took a deep shot after not, you know, seeing Kelsey open one time. And I was like, oh, he's got to take what the defense gives him. It's like, he literally did that every other play. Um, <laughs> but so, and, and hey, you could look at that article. And then also the article right between those two is a Chief of the North giveaway where I gave away a Super Bowl confetti. Yeah. So, I mean, you should subscribe if you haven't. I have no idea why you haven't, but uh, you should. And if you haven't, <laughs> D- DM Josh and tell him why. Oh, um, please don't do that. I, I do think <laughs> that we touched on this last week of like, we have to be talking to literally two people right now who are like, I love this yeah. podcast but no, I, I don't know, know about this newsletter like, yeah the rest of them are like speed it up kaiser i already subscribed. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. thank you for everyone who subscribed so right now as a reward for your subscribing what you're going to wake up to if you're listening on thursday night what you're going to wake up to tomorrow morning on friday unless you are an extremely early bird i'm looking at every single pass rush snap by the chiefs against the raiders um i'm looking at the down and distance the number of guys that they sent whether or not they got pressure and like a quick synopsis of the play so here's an example of one um rush number 10 um, it was second and six. It was on the goal line. They rushed four. There was pressure because Derek Nadi split a couple of blockers while they were running play action. Now, the, the Raiders actually scored a touchdown on that play. Um, but what I'm looking at is pressure. And the reason for that is in last year especially, but even the year before, they didn't really do a very good job getting pressure against the Raiders. Um, whether they blitzed or didn't blitz, that was one reason the Raiders put up so many points against them last year was even when they were blitzing, they were not getting pressure and Carr was finding open guys down the field. Cause that's the danger when you blitz and don't get pressure. And so I was curious if what I saw in real time, which was that the pass rush appeared to be having a much greater effect on the game was accurate and why and how. So that's the big thing that I'm looking at right now. And, and I'm halfway through, um, I'm through 16, uh, rushes. One of my favorite snaps that I've got here is they got pressure because they blitzed Hitchens and, and Willie Gay Jr., but they dropped Mike Dana into coverage. Um, I saw that. I, 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 I did not remember that play teacher something, but I remember going, it's, I think I said to Beards, like, I think Mike Dana was just in coverage. Yeah, they, so, and this is where people get really mad. Like, everyone remembers Justin Houston trying to cover Antonio Brown down the field. Yes. Um, but that, that what he wasn't supposed to be covering Antonio Brown on the field. What happens with zone blitzes is they'll have a, a defensive end, you know, a guy that they think has a little bit of athleticism, drop into a shallow zone to take away the flat, basically, maybe a short curl route, something like that. And then they blitz. And the idea is that that guy being there prevents the quarterback from hitting a bailout route. Um and then, you know, the idea is you get pressure. On that particular play, the Houston one, everyone remembers, the only reason Houston was anywhere close to Brown is because he made a sensational play to even make it remotely hard. Because he was supposed to just be covering him shallow there on that blitz. He saw the blitz wasn't going to get home because Eric Berry was blitzing. Um, 
And maybe it was Barry who was blitzing. I can't recall. And they almost got Roethlisberger. But the only reason that was even close and it looked like it was like, you know, some kind of weird man coverage on the field is because Houston recognized what was happening and tried to make a play Um, now because he's, you know, a 265, 270 pound edge rusher. It didn't work out. Um, But anyway, that's the type of stuff that I'm looking at and I'm really excited. So I, Nate, we're like mind melding today. Look, look, we're trying. And I just, I just want to tell you, um, as I wrote in Wednesday's article, there were four snaps, in my opinion, where Melvin Ingram didn't record a statistic, but man, him being on the field had a tremendous positive influence on his teammates. And each snap was a little bit different. It's like, hey, is that, you know, is that a Melvin Ingram helping out Jaren Reed? Yep. Is that Melvin Ingram helping out Chris Jones? Yep. Is that, you know, Melvin Ingram helping out Nick Bolton because he literally pushed a tight end into the running back? Which, you know, when you're an offensive coach, you're like, well, I mean, we don't really design plays to <laughs> to where the tight end actually uh, tackles the running back for a loss because the, the – defensive end just destroyed our entire plan i mean so (laughs) there were there were multiple times where ingram um just had an effect on the game in a positive manner and then i thought chris jones um outside and inside probably the best that he had put both positions together um to where it felt like okay like is he super electric on the edge no but like it's still kind of productive. Like Derek Carr still felt him. Um, and then he would slide inside and it'd be like, okay, here comes an interception. Cause Chris Jones is just <laughs> that good. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, now here's a little inside sports beat writing, I guess. Uh, are, are, are you, are you ready to go down media literacy with me? With me, Josh? I'm, I've got my notepad out right now. I can't wait. All right, kids. So, thankfully, uh, as I go into year four, or as I'm in the midst, I should say, of year four, the Chiefs, every year I've covered them, have had a bye week in November, most notably during the week of Thanksgiving sometimes. Um, It's honestly like a godsend. Uh, (laughs) You know, I can eat turkey in relative peace. But within that, you do need to sort of put together some stuff for later. So one of the fun things I like to do is um, at this point, you've played about 10 to 11 games, which gives you a larger sample size than teams that obviously have bye weeks uh, sooner in the regular season. And so, yes, today was our one opportunity before the bye week to get the offensive coordinators to which I wanted to be like, my eyes tend to tell me that the Chiefs are really good at blitzing. In fact, it was the only thing they were good at in September. (laughs) It was literally it, guys. They could not do (laughs) anything else except blitz. (laughs) And it it was to the point where I was like, I think they should blitz again. (laughs) But like, that's just, that's not sustainable. Um, Obviously, a lot of the stuff they had against the Packers worked. They blitzed less against the Raiders, but they were just as effective in blitzing. Mm-hmm. And so what I did last year in the bye week was I reviewed every red zone short yardage play that the Chiefs did some funky, creative, innovative, like just want to pull your hair out 
standpoint from a defensive coordinator. And it was really good. It was this collection of like, hey, here are these 10 to 12 plays. When you put them all together, oh, you actually see the trend of the, like the offense isn't actually creative in the middle of the field. They're actually most creative in the red zone. And I'm I'm wondering if that's very similar with Steve Spagnuolo's willingness to blitz on certain downs, certain tendencies. Again, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that like, I'm going to break a code, but I do want to see um, why this has been so effective. Like, why is Legereus need the best blitzer <laughs> that in I've the ever, history of the in NFL? The history of a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, in the history of quarterback play, like, why is he the best? Um, so it's, it's just something that I'm going to be tinkering and working on. Um, it may come out the week after the bye week. But keep in mind, as we've told you guys before, Never, ever, ever blitz Patrick Mahomes. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're trying to help, guys. Just don't do it. Dak Prescott is in a (laughs) MVP front runner in the discussion like category. He's probably ahead of Patrick Mahomes in terms of winning the MVP this year. Mm -hmm. And one of the best indicators of truly understanding great quarterback play is can they beat the blitz? And I'm just fascinated to know how much will they blitz Dak Prescott a medium level? Because they can't treat this man like he Jordan Love. But Jordan Love <laughs> had athletic, physical traits. He could scramble. Um, he may not be able to extend plays with the same high ceiling as Dak Prescott. But I'm I'm wondering if they're going to blitz him more than Derek Carr because... Derek Carr, as Steve Spagnuolo said, was really good about seeing the blitz, and they still got him on Sunday night. So mm-hmm. it's just something to look look into. It also brings back a lot of Jim Johnson references, which I'm like, ooh, <laughs> as a reporter, it's like, let me dig a little bit there. But the idea that uh, if the Chiefs can continue to surprise opposing quarterbacks based on pass protection, based on what they've already shown on film, and continue to add layers to it, um, then that is a sign of a really good coach in ways that maybe the maybe the common fan doesn't see on Sundays. Yeah. Any of that make you make you think, Seth? It does. I um I I'm curious what they try to do. That's one of the reasons why I'm looking at it this week as well. I'm curious because like you alluded to, Nate, and we joked about this um all throughout the early part of the season, is like, man. They can't get pressure. Yes. Like if, if it's either Jones or nothing. Yes. Yep. And on, and let's be real. Last year it was a lot of that too, right? Um, it was either Jones got pressure or nothing really happened. And that's why even like earlier this year, like Mike Dana getting like some cleanup sacks was like crud. Even that's improvement, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's where against really good quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, because I don't think you want to blitz Dak Prescott that much. Um, but I but I want to see it. I want to see it I for my story. Spagnuolo is really, really good at designing blitzes. And one thing that I've noticed is teams that are more familiar with him. Um, so say like the, the the Bucks last year, right? They they adjusted at, at halftime or, you know, they let Tom Brady start calling out some of the protection stuff during the game. Early on, they were getting killed. And this gets ignored in the Super Bowl when the game was still close. Because this, this is why it matters so much with the Chiefs. Like, score, how the offense does, game script, all that. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to really look at things on a drive-by-drive basis for them. When the game was relatively close, they were doing pretty well against the Bucks' offense. 
Then you had a one drive in particular that was a little controversial with play calls, but whatever, you know. And then once the offense couldn't really get it going for the Chiefs and it became a two-score game, there was a huge change in how they could play, right? Mm. And that's why the offense matters so much for the Chiefs. You, if you can – Spagnuolo's defenses are at their best where you're forcing the teams to be one-dimensional. Every team is. He in particular, I think you see a higher jump. But anyway – the front four thing is going to matter because you can't blitz every down if you're not playing Jordan Love. Um, <laughs> and I want to see it against Dak, but the, you know the, the thing that they're going to want to do is understand when to do it, how to do it. You get to pick and choose. And if you can get pressure with four, there's no replacing being able to pressure with four, right? Mm. That is every defensive coordinator's dream is to consistently generate pressure with four guys because it allows you to do whatever you want on the back end in coverage. And that's the biggest thing that I think is going to matter for them moving forward for the rest of the season. They fixed, it seems like, some of the the blown coverage issues they had on the back end. They still don't – they did cover a couple of bootleg passes to tight ends in the flat. They kind of covered that against the the Raiders, which was like – they do know how to cover that. (laughs) Um, Because I I was losing my mind. With those plays. It was just every time. It's like, how is it the same thing? Um, but that, now that they fixed that issue, the the Sorensen-Neiman decisions that they still, I think, need to make, but that's neither here nor there, and pressure with four is what's going to tell the tale for this defense the rest of the year. Because if they can pressure with four as effectively as at least they did so far, I got to look at the rest of the game. But the first half, they pressured pretty effectively with four. That's going to tell a big story for this team down the stretch, especially if the offense continues to get right. Because nobody wants to play this Chiefs team with the offense playing right, with them getting pressure with four. You know what that looked like? The back end of 2019. Yeah. Mm. And and one thing that I, I'll just throw out here, Josh, I feel in my watching this team, and again, I'm going to study this a little bit more probably after the Cowboys game when hopefully the Chiefs blitz a decent amount. For your story. For my story. Sure. I don't care about, I mean, I mean, of course I care what the no, outcome is. No. But like, I don't really care. I mean, like, come on. I mean, like. You got to do your job either way. I got man. a job to do, yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, do I want the game to be exciting? Sure. Do I want it to be compelling? Yeah, I got to write something that day too. But after, <laughs> I would like them to get on that blitz a little bit. Um, to, my, to my point, though, I get the sense that. Andy Reid sort of engineers things early in the game, right? There's the whole discussion about the 15-play script, and we gain all that information, and then we start taking our shots here and there. Or Patrick comes to me in the middle of the game, sees something on the field, and we design things a certain way moving forward. Interestingly enough, I think Steve Spagnuolo holds on to his best blitzes until after halftime. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 So hold on. Is that do you guys you guys agreed on that real fast? Is that do you think that's because they they, so they can't adjust to it or what? Why is that? Or is that just when the game is tighter later on or something? It matters more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it could have a greater result on the game, especially if it's close, which we you know assume most NFL games are. And I also think too, like he didn't want to give away secrets, but at least Mm -hmm. when he when we made eye contact, Josh. (laughs) He knew that I knew. Yeah, he knew that I knew. I know what you're doing. <laughs> like Nate asked the question, and Spag said, "You don't want me to give away all my secrets, do you?" And then Nate held up his fingers as if to say, 
just a little bit. Just a little. Just a little. Just a little. Just a little. He gave him the finger and thumb were almost touching. Coach, you are the only NFL defensive coordinator to win a Super Bowl with two different franchises. So just, just this much, just this much. Um, I get the sense that they look at protections, both obviously early in the week, they review it a second time. They, they find the down and distance and then they see whatever it is in the first half. And they either that confirms what they already have, or, hmm, we presented this. They kind of changed it a little bit on that based on personnel or the offensive line. That's, you know, obviously the, whoever the five guys are in the game, what are they doing with the... I mean, there's so much to think about. Tight ends and running backs and motions. And then I think they try their best to say, okay, if we get it in this situation, and if the score is relatively same, we're slightly in our favor, like Seth mentioned earlier, in terms of, you know, making the offense one-sided. I, I do think there's like that... That niche between like late in the third quarter, early in the fourth, where they're just like, okay, like we've worked on it all week. Let's see if we get home. And um, it's been it's been interesting to know that like I think Tyron Matthews said, I want to blitz more, but Steve's always like, just wait till after halftime. Like hmm. I don't ever want to show you going near the quarterback until after halftime, and um, that. That became a a, a a a legitimate thing these last few weeks. I've I've got one other thing defensively that's that's very Cowboys specific here, and this is just I'm obviously very biased to say that I think you know the best answers that we heard all day. Weirdly, I think were all the answers to the questions that I asked, and I actually didn't think anyone said anything interesting any other time. Um, that's obviously that's not true. But I, <laughs> the, the the thing that I was curious about that I asked Spags about was he's mentioned several times whenever he's talked about teams having missing some of their players that he says, well, you really just got to defend the scheme, which I think is interesting. And like, you know, a nice little tight phrasing of something that has stuck in my head over several games that he's mentioned. He mentioned it first against the Ravens, I think. Um, But the Cowboys are kind of interesting to me because I think they have uh, the inverse, they present the inverse problem of like, well, is it going to be Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers or which yes. which Ravens line, which Ravens running back is is going to be back there? In this case, I th- I would think that if you just defend the scheme against the Cowboys, well, then one of their other very talented weapons will make you pay for it. And and so he said, well, you still have to do that, but then you kind of figure out the guy that you want to take away. And unless I maybe I missed it one of the weeks when Lebo was out there or something I don't know, but I, I haven't I don't think I've heard Spags explicitly talk about taking one guy out of a, another offense this year. Mm-hmm. But they did a very good job of it against the Packers and the Raiders because Devontae Adams and Darren Waller were both minimal factors. And so mm-hmm. I, I know that the Cowboys are going to have uh, you know a, a counterpunch. Amari Cooper is a very good number two receiver. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a little more complicated this week, but I, I do think that the the approach there is interesting for also for Spag to just kind of confirm, yeah, we're, we're going to go option one, which I mean, that's something that Belichick's gotten credit for for a million years because they've done it successfully for a million years, and then figure out what happens around that. Did, did, does that strike either of you guys any particular way when we do kind of look ahead specifically to the Cowboys? It, it does, and, and I'm right on track with you in terms of like, you know, uh, our here's hearing something just a little bit different. And um, I I love the honesty from Spagnuolo. I don't know who that player necessarily is. Um, I guess the assumption is CeeDee Lamb because he has perhaps the most explosiveness to him. Yeah. 
Um, but who's to say? I mean, uh, you know, they've. I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested in the matchups. Obviously, um, you know who covers who necessarily. Um, how many light boxes will the Chiefs show on Sunday? Um, even though Ezekiel Elliott like exists and is still relatively good. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's fascinating because, um, the coaching staff knows how much of a, of a true measuring stick test assessment, whatever word you want to put it, you know, here, um, for the remainder of the season. And I also wonder too, um, the choices that they make, how much will that inform them about what to do later in the season with a team? Like the Chargers, mm. um, or a team like whoever they face in the playoffs, if they, you know, as Brenda Daly said in a gorgeous way, if we have earned the right for another week, <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, Brendan, I, I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna save that. Like, like, ma'am, have I earned the right for another blank? <laughs> Brendan Daly occasionally, I think, is a coach in an Aaron Sorkin movie. Like, it's just like, man, like, are you sure that you talk like that and are yes, as does. intense as you are all the time? And yes, yes, he yes, is. Absolutely, yes. Yes. A treat. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seth, do you have any any inclination on on kind of, again, more specific to the Cowboys what the Chiefs defense is going to try to do here? I I really don't know what to expect. Um, Watching the Cowboys a little bit, they're really varied in what they do. And it just seems to, 
it, it, it just they, they've got a really great quarterback. They've got multiple weapons and they just kind of do what they think will work in terms of trying to take advantage of mismatches all over the field or wherever. I'm I'm spooked that they are a team that is well set up to exploit some of the personnel weaknesses the Chiefs show in certain looks. We talked about this a little bit on the radio, I think. Dig in on that, because I think this is such an important part of the defensive conversation that is sure. not talked about enough. And so, you know, the the one the one one of the touchdowns the Chiefs gave up, um, you know, obviously Anthony Hitchens couldn't quite carry the seam route. Um, yes. He, he actually, I mean, it's not like he was in terrible position. It's just a great just, throw. Yeah, it was a great throw. But, you know, Hitch could have been a yard or two deeper, and then no throw would have been optional. Or maybe you could have had a guy who's a lot faster there, like Willie Gay Jr. Now, to be fair, Gay, I think, was on the field. I think he was on the, uh, at the other linebacker spot. But Hitchens is going to be put in that position at times um, because the Cowboys do like to run some of that, what do people call it, quad or something like that. You know, you got one – you know, four guys, the yeah. oop-de-oop, if you're yep. a Varsity Blues fan. Um, <laughs> and so it's a they, – they're going to need to figure something out because the Cowboys are a type of team that will run out the kind of personnel that puts the Chiefs in a situation where they have two defenders or maybe three defenders. Usually not three at this point, right? Because it's either Hitchens and Gay or it's just Neiman, right? In terms, but, of, in terms of linebackers, yeah. Yep, in terms of linebackers – and then obviously Dan Sorensen is going to be on the field. If the more dime that the Chiefs run, the more often you're probably going to see them with Neiman and, and Sorensen on the field at the same time. And the Cowboys have the personnel to exploit that. So I'm a little I'm nervous about that aspect of things because nothing else will matter if those matchups are being exploited. People can talk about, well, your stars need to make plays. They can't if other guys are being exploited. Pass rush doesn't matter if the ball comes out in under two seconds or two and a half seconds, right? Um, barring, you know... I mean, barring the very, very rare, absolutely incredible plays, which you can only count on once or twice a game. If you're getting exploited a dozen times, that's a problem. So I'm going to keep an eye on that to see what Spagnuolo is continuing to do to try to keep those guys from getting exploited because they are still out there. And um, that's that's the fly in the ointment. I, I remain, after watching a few snaps of Armani Watts, I'm not saying he'd be a star, but I am flummoxed by the mm-hmm. fact that they don't think he can be the third safety. I, I want Nate to sound off on that, but I know you're going to have to dip in just a second. So um, what is the solution there? I think, I mean, I do know your answer. I'm not going to, but what, what, what do you do there? Because, because you could say like, well, you know, you take your lumps in a certain package or try to stay out of this package or change the personnel in a certain package. What, what's your preferred path there? To, to me, the obvious solution, and I'm sure there's many things I don't see that go on in practice. The obvious solution is to make Willie Gay Jr. your dime linebacker. And the obvious solution is to make Armani Watts your third safety. Ooh. Um, you can't you can't convince me Armani Watts can't blitz. I saw him do it very well in college, and I've actually seen him do it a few times as a pro. He he's a guy, he's more athletic than Sorensen. I personally do, given the limited stuff that you're asking Sorensen to do at this point in dime packages, most of the time with Sorensen, he's either playing half of two two man. Right? Can't tell me Armani Watts doesn't know how to do that. Or he's blitzing. Can't tell me Armani Watts doesn't know how to do that. Or he is in man coverage. You can't tell me Armani Watts doesn't know how to do that. And I mean, the the stuff with Neiman, it's similar ilk. I mean, Willie Gay Jr. has been in the system now for almost, you know, over a year and a half. 
you can't tell me that they, that Neiman knows the system so much better that you can't do it. So my my solution would be personnel oriented. I think Soren. I think that that I think that Willie Gay Jr. is a vastly superior player to Ben Neiman, and I don't think Watts could be worse than Sorensen. I think he'd be better at some of the things that he's being asked to do. So that would be my solution. Um, but we'll see. Again, they they shut down the Raiders. Maybe they have a good game against the Cowboys. And if they do defensively, despite Neiman and Sorensen still getting snaps, I'm going to shut up for a while because who am I to argue with success? Um, Another thought that I've had throughout this was, you know, the Chiefs don't really play a spy concept that much, do they? Um, And if you, you would be sort of, I don't know, fudging the numbers or the roles. But, like, I've always been interested, like, why, if you don't, if you want to limit Sorensen in coverage in dime, um, depending upon personnel, whatever the formation is, like, and you know you have a mobile quarterback, like, why someone isn't just watching the quarterback (laughs) versus, (laughs) versus, like, going out into a zone or trying to, you know, be step for step with somebody. Um, but that might be something that like you could do more if Willie Gay was on the field, like some snaps you could show him, um, doing your core, uh, assignment, but then also sometimes he could just be one, two, go get the quarterback, you know, kind of, kind of in a sense, like, or if the quarterback wants to extend the play, there's another defender there in front of him to sort of just make him think for a second as to whether or not he wants to do that. Um, but we all know probably what the end result will be, and this will test the limits of the Chiefs' defense as it currently stands. Um, I don't expect them to make a ton of changes. Um, I don't get that sense from Spagnolo up until playoff time, um, but we shall see. And uh, I, I do give credit for... Spagnolo saying, I don't give up on, on guys. I don't give up on people. Um, you know, he was thrilled that Sorensen caught the, the interception and not Juan Thornhill. Because narrative, <laughs> ladies and Look, gentlemen. Is, yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that. And, and I do have to duck out my children. Yes. Two of my children are testing for their orange belts in Taekwondo. Oh, yeah. And wow. I will not miss that. But I will you say this. You snap their two that, legs in half. Yes. Okay, maybe don't do that. But snap the board in half. Yes, they will snap the board and have. I'm so excited for them and so nervous. Um, but I would just say I appreciated Spagnuolo saying that. But that comment also bothered me because I was like, dude, this isn't a marriage. Like, yeah. it's, this isn't like, you know, well, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, it's not. If, you know what I wanted, what it made me think of? And I'm going to go right after I make this now. Say what you talk say about. Say what you think the this, how the game's going to go when you on your way out. Oh, sure. I'll do that on my way out. But first, Perfect. I'm going to do this. Yes. It made me want Tom Hanks's character from A League of Their Own to approach Steve Spagnuolo and say, well, what do you think? And Spagnuolo would say, you know, I hate to give up on people. I was really <laughs> upset. And, and Tom Hanks' character, Jimmy Dugan, yep. would have said, what do you think? And then Spagnuolo could have been honest, just like Gina Davis was. Uh, and Josh, I have no idea if you know what I'm talking about. But A League of Their Own, great movie. You should check it out. Yeah, um, I've, heard, I've heard of it for sure. Oh, yeah, it's a classic performance. What do you think, Steve? Don't tell me, you know, ah, you know, Dan out there, he's battling. Love the guy. And look, I'm sure Dan's a great dude and a great teammate. Seems like it. His teammates clearly love him. But 
What do you think? You know what I mean? Like, what do you think of how he's played? Anyway, with that said, the Chiefs offense looked awesome. Their defense looked awesome. I'm back on the train with the caveat that I still do have a hand in the air with a rope ready to dangle on to pull me out at any moment. Because <laughs> um, that's apparently how you leave trains. Uh, <laughs> I think. I what think do you think? They, what do you think? <laughs> I think the Chiefs sent a message against the Raiders. And I think they beat the Cowboys, not nearly as convincingly, but I think they beat the Cowboys and the rest of the league kind of officially enters, oh, crap, mode. Mm. And I'm so excited for it. Either way, you guys enjoy the game. I, I'm excited to listen to the rest of the podcast and uh, hear what you guys do when it sounds so much more professional without it. <laughs> go, get your, go get your orange belt, Seth. That's what yeah. you're saying. Right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope that, that that's... <laughs> This is where his recording ended. It was just that right that sound, and that's his that's his dismount. That's really good. Uh, I mean, we can we can begin to wrap up here as well, Nate. I mean, is there anything about this game right now that you feel like we haven't touched on that you want to get to before we kind of get to how we're feeling? <sighs> okay, y'all. He said it. Uh oh. He said it. Okay. I didn't look. I have a tremendous amount of respect. Okay, love this man dearly. Have met this man a few times, and understand what he does every day is of the highest difficulty rating in this thing we call sports media. They put a microphone in front of this man twenty four seven. Okay, he did it. He did it again. Stephen A. Smith <laughs> yes. said he would take Dak yes. Prescott. I saw this. Over Patrick Mahomes. What are we doing? Oh, Sunday. Not Tuesday. Not Monday. But Sunday. They They are putting they're going they're they're putting too much on this man, okay? Oh, but for, but for Stephen A, it's all it's all a part of the game. It's all a part of the game. Not build him up so you can watch him fall. I just, just I have so much respect for Stephen A, and I know it's called first take, but sometimes the takes don't have to be so <laughs> so first. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this man he did it again, y'all. He did it again. So. He says he would take Dak Prescott right now over Patrick Mahomes. Someone, I assure you, has sent that clip to a man named Patrick LaFon Mahomes. (sighs) He's doing it to you again, Cowboys fans. Josh? Yeah. If Patrick Mahomes throws for four touchdowns, we have no one to blame. No one. <laughs> Except for Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> like, that's... We can't, I, we can't just go into a Sunday and say, look, I'm just happy to see both these young men sling this ball at an efficient high level. We can't do no, that. No, you've got to no, pick you can't. one. you got to pick one. one. And you got to pick one who hasn't been league MVP, Super Bowl MVP, yeah. 5,000 yards and back-to-back Super Bowls and ah, best player in the league when he's right. I mean, like, that's all I want to say, Josh, is that for Chiefs fans, this should comfort you at night. You should sleep so warm as it gets colder because 
someone will tell this to Patrick Mahomes. And look, there's a reason that adorable child in Hard Knocks was like, are you Patrick Mahomes? And then, uh, Dak, and then Dak had to be like, no, I'm Dak Prescott. Yeah, that's that was, you may have said this, I was just being distracted by a tweet. That was Trayvon Diggs' son, right? Yeah. Sweet child. But even he know. Hey, man, they out here talking about that Patrick Mahomes. So I was just wondering, are you Patrick Mahomes? So my issue on, on this is that I, I would tend to think that Patrick Mahomes genuinely likes and respects and maybe even, you know, maybe even chats with Dak Prescott often enough. Yes, that, they, that, they, are, that, they are cool. They, they, this had nothing to do with them. Right. But that's why com- whatever, but whatever he like, whatever he counts to whatever number on his fingers, it's it, it can't be Dak based. It's got to be Stephen A based, you know, <laughs> or maybe maybe he just puts his hands over his head like you're doing the A and YMCA. He just and he just holds that up as he runs back. Like it's almost a safety sign. Right. But the, the, the palms are separated. Maybe he just throws a touchdown and then runs back to the sideline. Making a big A with his arms, and that's the maybe that's the signal. Yeah, I, you know, um, I think both quarterbacks are great. You know, yeah. Uh, can't we just, can, you know? But I mean, again, the takes got to be first. So get on out there. I mean, get it out there quick. Tell the nation that Dak. I would take Dak Prescott right now. I mean, what? <laughs> What fantasy game are we playing? Um, no, I just find that super entertaining. I mean, again, it works. It always works. It, it gets works, you every man. time. It's it so works. it's so delicious. I can't it is not healthy was. for me, but no. I enjoy it. <laughs> and I, I'll just say, I mean, like Stephen A is the 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 one one in that draft. Yeah, but Shannon Sharp is really he. I mean, pun intended here. He is sharpening his tools right now because that man has gotten. So surgical for take television i can't even remember what it was that he was yelling about oh it was uh that mac jones was on the injury report with a foot mm. because he had his foot so far up baker mayfield's hump <laughs> that he hurt himself that's what shannon sharp said that on television and like he's just, it's performance art it's just yes, sports talk yes, performance yes. art and i'll say this to all the listeners right now who are going like yeah but i find Stephen a and or shannon sharp incredibly obnoxious or whatever i don't like the format that's all that's fine just start watching it like pro wrestling these are pro wrestlers who instead of tackling each other are doing sports takes on television if you can appreciate it for for what that is there's nothing else like it Dude, there's really just isn't. not it's just it's a, sports improv it's it look it's a did i watch the clip of course i watched the clip i mean it's yeah. enjoyable yeah. um you know and everybody has you know in this you know context it, it's fun to hear what people think what 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 their opinions are i i just find it funny that like <laughs> until uh, unless his name is tom brady i it just it's hard for me to be like okay well yeah I, taking somebody over Patrick from seems logical you know but hey uh, Dak Prescott again playing at a high level. He's probably ahead of the. I don't know what the what the league MVP odds are, but I would assume Prescott's ahead of Mahomes, both in perception mm-hmm. and like. Um, Dak has a great story to him, and, and yeah, he should be praised for the way he's played so far. Now, second thing I'll mention here, Josh, which is actually legitimate, or more tied to the game, um. The 
Cowboys lead the league in points per game. You want to tell me the two games that they've struggled on offense? Who they were against? Let me just let me think about it here. They only scored. I think that Chargers game was twenty to seventeen. I think the Vikings game was twenty to sixteen. They only scored sixteen well, scrap, points against scrap the Broncos. That, that's the Cooper Rush game. That, yeah, oh, you're right. You're right. Cooper, you're right. You're right. Excluding Cooper Rush. You're right. <laughs> Which by I like the way, him Cupid Rush actually. By, by the way. Your- did he outplay Kirk Cousins? You damn right he did. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if Kirk Cousins comes out and finds me, it's totally worth it. It's totally warranted. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like, I just he's 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 my barometer. He's he, he just this like, Cooper Rush went into the road and won a game in prime time because I he mean, was playing because he was playing Kirk Cousins. Have you seen Kirk Cousins play in prime time? Man, it's just, it's like a different dude is out there. But, you know. You know, b- behind the scenes, you and I have been trying to get Seth off this podcast for a while. <laughs> and we just have to come to accept that it's never going to be times ours with Nate Taylor, Josh Briscoe, and either Kirk Cousins or Troy Aikman. No. Nope. Those two ships have just sailed. Sailed. Okay. Been, been, been gone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in the, in the, in the non-Cooper Rush game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. AFC West, baby. I didn't even think about that until yes. I, you know, went through my yes. uh, impressive memory and definitely didn't read ESPN.com. Yes. Now you could say the Cowboys game against the Chargers was early in the season. Um, Dak still trying to get into a rhythm. Uh, they had, I believe, that ten day uh, off period because they played the opener night against the Buccaneers, and then they came back and it looked a little flat. They, there, there were also some turnover issues. By the way, if the Chiefs continue to generate turnovers on defense. They will continue to be competent. Um, now, against the the Broncos, they just got beat. And I don't know if it's just one of those, hey, it's bound to happen at some point in the regular season sort of outcomes, or if there is something that the Chiefs can translate to themselves based off of what AFC West teams have sort of presented. Because those AFC West teams have to be engineered to at least limit Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Mm. It just so happens that the Cowboys offense is not the same as the Chiefs, but it has the same skill set, uh, explosiveness, and potency with a quarterback who can obviously put the ball uh, all over the field. Um, it's just a thought that I want to put out there as to, like, these AFC West defenses aren't necessarily surprised to see such an offense when they know they're going to see that kind of offense two times a year. And I just wonder yeah. how much that will help the Chiefs defense or what they can take on film from those two games and sort of emulate. One other thing I wanted to mention is that I've literally not this is this to do this podcast is the first time I've sat down at a computer today. Uh, but I'm very excited to read your story about Dante Hall. I, I am I loved watching Dante Hall as almost certainly everyone listening to this podcast did. I would hope so. And I can't I can't wait to read that. So if you want to add any tease to that, go for it. Uh, but I also want to get what you think about this game. I'll, g- I'll get mine out of the way real quick. As I keep going, like, two-point game, three-point game, 27-24, yeah. something a little bit lower scoring than you might think, because I actually kind of think both of these defenses are legitimately trending in the right direction. Also, these games never feel like they end up being quite as big of a shootout as they seem like they're set to be. Uh, and I am nervous about this game on the Chiefs' behalf. I, I think it is a absolute coin flip game, but I, I have narrowly leaned Chiefs. Um, Statistically, this game should be like Cowboys 31, Chiefs 30. 
Yeah. I mean, it's tight. Yeah. Um, and I and I think because this game is at home, obviously sh- that should benefit the Chiefs. Um, for all the reasons we just said earlier, the Chiefs have a legitimate chance to win this game. Uh, Mahomes will have to probably be special. And again, um, it's hard to talk about coaches because, you know, you can sort of see the scheme, but obviously the players have to execute it. Um, Andy Reid, like, you know, uh, Hall of Fame coach, I, you know, I'm just interested to see, like, what his game plan will be. Obviously tied to Spagnolo, of course, but, like, sometimes coaching matters when you know the rosters are very good lined up to one another. And so I'm just interested, like, if the coaching will give the Chiefs just enough of an advantage to take care of their business at home. Um, but this game, right now, at least the way they're playing, and if nothing changes, I think the Chiefs could potentially lose two more games and I'd be like, okay, that's fine. And that's Sunday against the Cowboys and against the Chargers on the road on Thursday night. Because that's just hard to do, ask the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just really hard to, like, ask any road team on a Thursday night. It's awful. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to weirdly say Cowboys 31, Chiefs 30, and I'm not going to be surprised by either outcome. Uh, or by any outcome, I should say, not either. I mean, there's got to be one outcome to this game. Yeah, it sounds like somebody who didn't watch Steelers-Lions. There's, there's always a door number three, Nate. It just takes some really bad football to get there. One, one of my, one of my worst nightmares as a <laughs> NFL reporter is covering a tie football game <laughs> after four, you know what, hours, yeah. and then trying to come up with questioning that has any reasonable, like you, you just don't learn anything. It's so bad. Like at least in soccer, there's like. The understanding, like, hey, you know, one team was playing for the tie, one team wasn't. That's not the case in the NFL, or it can't be. Um, yeah. And so I give a lot of, I give a lot of credit to the reporters in Pittsburgh and Detroit who were just like, uh, "Did you know the game could end in a tie?" That's usually the question you ask yeah. to a player. And, yeah. and the, <laughs> Mr. Harris was like, "No, no, I've never, I've never been a part of a tie." So you're true. I. Lord Billy, no ties. I'm gonna say Cowboys 31, Chiefs 30. Should you could have just called the 3131, and we could have we could have gotten out of here on a high note. That sounds good to me, though. Go read the Dante Hall story. Uh, plus, lots more coming from Nate up on the Athletic. Seth's got the Chief of the North newsletter. You can follow each of us on Twitter at by Nate Taylor at Real MN Chiefs Fan at JB Briscoe. And we're going to try to do a, a little pod Monday before I jet off on a little vacation and then take some time. But we, we will have a post-Cowboys episode one way or another for you. And on that note, Nate, take us into the weekend. Ah, yes. Uh, can I just tell you that there is some quotes from Dick Vermeil, from Trent Green. Obviously, Dante Hall is prominently featured. It's 13 people from the, you know... Uh, interesting 2003 season and uh, it was a joy to I think I got one oral history in me every season Josh (laughs) (laughs) these things take so much time and effort and obviously we're trying to um, include everybody the best we can but it it was a really fun piece Um, please check it out if you have some time uh, yes, the highlights of Dante Hall are also included which I thought was a huge thing to sort of remind people about just how nuts 
uh, his run was. But also, I learned a lot about A, how hard it is to return a kick or a punt for a touchdown, and B, everything that almost everything has to go right for that moment to happen uh, from a special team standpoint, how guys sort of communicate and talk to one another, uh, the mentality you have to have. And so if Chiefs fans have been frustrated by like McCall Harbin or Byron Pringle, like it's really, really hard. And then they did it four straight weeks in a row. It's just, <laughs> it's never happened before. It may never happen again. Um, and so it's a, it's a perfect subject to sort of dive into. And I learned a lot. And I think, I think our readers are